What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Take us inside the room. How Mm -hmm. did it go down? I wanted us all locked in the room. Let's get this done. The world is on fire. Biden is absent on uh, duty. We have bigger fights to fight. Progressivism, socialism, Chinese communism, and global terrorism. Hamas, Hezbollah, all of these groups, they don't fire a BB gun or a squirt gun without Iran's green light, period. BLM putting out this this depiction of a hang glider coming, it's disgusting. They wanna get rid of the Western nuclear family, that they're a Marxist organization that's for LGBTQXYZ. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Congressman, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Sean. Happy to. So I want to get to this speaker vote. I, uh, but I, I do want to ask you, I mean, you've, as I mentioned uh, before you joined us, multiple tours in Afghanistan and the Middle East. Uh, you've been an, you know, an advisor at DOD or advisor to the vice president uh, before you got elected to Congress. What do you, let me just start with this. What do you think, or make of this administration's response to what's happening in Israel? Well, I think we even have to take a step back and and, uh, how is it that all of our adversaries around the world, and why is it that they're on the march right now? Uh, China threatening Taiwan, uh, Russia invading the largest land war in Europe uh, since World War II, Uh, Iran unleashing its proxies uh, all over the Middle East and racing towards a nuke. Uh, And the obvious answer is they all smell weakness in the White House. They all smell opportunity. They don't see any consequences or downside. They're getting rewarded for taking uh, Americans hostage, whether it's celebrities or everyday Americans. Now, I guess the price tag's at a billion dollars ahead in terms of ransom. But they smell weakness, uh, and they're going to push as hard as they can, because, you know, um, I mean, we have a figurehead there, but that's about it. You know, I, I was just trying to look at the uh, online because I, I on my Twitter, there was a thing that came across the other day, uh, a few minutes ago. The head of Hamas is saying on Friday, they're asking people to unleash fury 
on on targets in Israel and the United States. How concerned should Americans be? They should be incredibly concerned. Heck, I just talked to a friend of mine in Texas that went and cleaned all his weapons. Uh, when you've got two million uh, people coming across the border that we know of, and then another million gotaways from 170 countries all over the world, do the math. Uh, when you've had dozens on the But have you guys been briefed? List, don't you? Right? That, 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 I mean, that is so. I, I don't get this. There is a, a guy who is head of a terrorist organization saying, I'm going to unleash fury on the United States and Israel. The border's wide open. And I'm sitting here thinking, shouldn't this be like, uh, like the, the, the U.S. government should be reassuring alarms. us? Yeah, like red, red alarms, red flags, star clusters, you, you name it. But it's even worse, Sean. Uh, this all got suppressed by the media. But uh, look, I mean, the IRGC, the Iranian IRGC, has a history of working with the Zeta Mexican drug cartel. They uh, had a plot that was thwarted to bomb uh, to bomb restaurants in Washington, D.C. and try to assassinate ambassadors. There's been other Iranian agents that have been rolled up casing and uh, conducting reconnaissance on dams and other critical infrastructure. Everybody in the, in the intelligence community, the FBI and others know that the Iranians have sleeper agents, that Hezbollah has sleeper agents in the United States, and they're still not uh, ringing the alarm bells to shut down the border. So, yeah, I mean, but that's just look, a, I'm not I, trying to fear monger, freak people out, but you need to hear the facts. Uh, and and those are the facts. I, listen, I, I, I don't want to get into my specifics, but I, I don't. If I were in a major city, Washington, D.C., New York, L.A., I'd be very concerned about Friday, especially among, uh, you know, uh, Jewish targets. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, this is scary stuff. And, and so has have you guys I mean, you're on the Intelligence Committee, the Armed Services Committee, the Foreign Affairs Committee. You can't get more into this than you. And with your background, right. have you guys been asking for or been given any kind of update or intel? We're we're demanding briefings, Sean. And you're right. I'm I'm the only member of Congress on Armed Services, Intel, and Foreign Affairs. But with my background, I know BS when I see it. And the briefings we've gotten so far are BS. Biden and Obama's head negotiator for the Iran deal, Rob O'Malley. I mean, this is the lead guy representing the entire administration crafting. Uh, the, the deal has now been sidelined under investigation by the FBI, had his clearance pulled because he was an Iranian influence agent running an entire ring of influence agents. These aren't down at like the, the analyst level. These are in senior positions in the Department of Defense, Department of State, and Lord knows where else. Do you realize, so, I mean, what you just I mean, said, about that I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if people get this. He had his security clearance pulled. He was their guy. And they're pulling yeah. his clearance at the State Department because the FBI deems him to have been working with Iran. What this uh, is on. Talk about incompetence. It's incompetence. It's treasonous. Uh, and the only reason we know about it is there was some email dumps. I still haven't gotten the full story showing all of his correspondence with the Iranians. It's even worse the chief of staff for special operations in the Pentagon, some of our most classified compartmented programs, she's still on the job. Uh, she still has access and she was part of this ring. So Sean, I mean, when it goes back to this big, this massive intelligence failure 
that the entire world is seeing with this surprise 9-11 attack in Israel. My question is, how did we have all that collection before? We had so much collection that we tracked Soleimani for weeks, the Iranian head of the IRGC, and, and took him out. But yet now we miss them having weekly meetings and staging the largest, most coordinated complex attack. My concern is maybe we did pick it up, but the apologists at the senior levels in this administration turned a blind eye, didn't want to hear it, didn't mind it. I don't know, but there is a lot to there is a lot to un uncover here. Yeah, when you're moving that many missiles, you've got and having that degree of coordination, you've got to wonder it's either incompetence or, or I mean, there's something that's that's there. There was a massive, massive uh, gap and failure, or we collected as we always do. It just didn't want to be heard. That, uh, which is it? Mind blowing. Right. So with your background, both in the military and as an advisor, with 12 Americans killed, 20 at least unaccounted for, 14 at minimum taken hostage, what should be the role of the U.S. military? Well, we have our hostage rescue teams, both in uh, our Special Operations Command, SEAL Team 6, Delta, and also the FBI's hostage rescue team, HRT. Uh, I, I won't get into you know anything uh, classified, but I would expect uh, that they are right there side by side with Israel's most elite units. Um, my concern is you've got, again, the bumbling crew uh, in this White House. So there's, we know we have the capability to go in and get our people. I worry about the Iran apologist crowd and whether they will unleash uh, the best of the best and the most elite in our military to get our people out. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hamas has said if Israel goes into Gaza and starts going nuts, they'll start executing people on, on video. If they were to execute a U.S. hostage, how does that change the situation from, from a U.S. posture standpoint? Well, Mike Waltz is in charge. Uh, then then we, start, we start taking out Hamas with U.S. precision-guided weapons, and we can escalate from there. Uh, they've crossed a line. But remember, ISIS did this uh, under Obama. I mean, they were literally beheading Americans in orange jumpsuits, burning uh, pilots alive in cages. And, you know, I mean, we had Obama had to be pushed to go deal with the, the JV team. So I, you know, I, I can tell you what I would do and what I will push for uh, us to do if that happens. Taking a step back, Sean, what I hope is happening right now, just working in the Middle East and Africa as long as I have as a Green Beret my, my whole career, the Egyptians are always the mediator here. I hope at a minimum they are cutting a deal right now to at least get the women and children out. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, that, uh, that get them out. But unfortunately, how Hamas, Taliban, Al-Qaeda, all of them operate is they will have uh, for the poor Israeli soldiers and maybe 
the, the U.S. hostages and others, they will have them chained to every potential military target in Gaza uh, because they're thugs, they're evil, uh, and they need to be eradicated from the earth. It's just, it's, I, I, I think they knew what they were doing when they came in and took them in the first place. So I, I... This is 100% Iran, Sean. Uh, listen, Hamas, Hezbollah, all of these groups... They don't fire a BB gun or a squirt gun without Iran's green light, period. They are the foot soldiers for the Iranian regime. And what we've got to wake up to is they'll trade, they'll trade uh, Hamas and Hezbollah casualties for dead Israelis and Americans all day long. They did it in Iraq for years. We've got to go after the head of the snake. We've got to get back to maximum pressure. And at a minimum, we have to shut down their oil, refreeze the hostage money, and shut down all their loans from World Bank, IMF, the aid to the Palestinians that are all American taxpayer dollars uh, facilitating and funding this terrorism. Yeah. Uh, I want to make a hard turn here and, and have you take us sure. inside the room for that conference meeting. They took, from what I understand, they you guys all gathered as a House Republican conference. They had taken your phones uh, so that you were focused and you couldn't, you know, they, they were worried about leaks. How mm -hmm. did it go down? Well, the first thing that, that we dealt with was actually a, a rule change, which I thought was a good one, uh, and that Jim Jordan supported, and I've publicly supported Jim Jordan, uh, that would have changed our rules that, you know what, we don't leave this room until we get 217, that we're not going to have this debacle that we saw in January. Uh, we're not going to embarrass ourselves as what happened uh, last week uh, with um, uh, with. Uh, the Speaker McCarthy that, you know, we handle this behind closed doors. Uh, we don't have the Democrats sitting there smiling and eating their popcorn uh, as all of this goes down. Unfortunately, that rule didn't pass. People argued against it. I argued for it. Uh, and then we moved on to, to the actual speaker's vote. People spoke for Scalise. They spoke for, uh, for Jordan. My calculation was that Jim Jordan has a long and proud history uh, as a as a committed conservative, he is backed publicly by President Trump. I can't imagine anybody exercising a motion to vacate on him. Uh, and I think he has the tactical skills to take on House Democrats, Senate Democrats, and the entire administration. Um, I think we'll I think we'll just do just fine under Steve Scalise. That's what uh, the, uh, you know. I think he is a committed conservative as well. Um, and that's what the majority very narrowly voted for. At the end of the day, we voted. It's a secret ballot, 113 for uh, Scalise, 99 for Jordan, eight voted for somebody else, and three voted present. I don't know what that was about. I think they were just upset. Uh, and um, the, the issue now is, uh, and the, you know, I don't know how long going forward is going to be, how do we get to 217 on the floor well, or gonna... a majority on the floor? Yeah, so uh, I was going to... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was going to ask you, we're talking before the vote, just to be completely transparent here. Um, but but by my count, at least Marjorie Taylor Greene, Carlos Jimenez, your colleague down there in Florida, Lauren Bobert from Colorado, Ken Buck from Colorado, um, Max Miller from Ohio, Nancy Mace, uh, and at least one other are saying, for one reason or another, they're not voting for Scalise. That, that's at least seven. He can give up four. Yeah. So this gets well, back to your point about the 217. Well, you don't necessarily have to get to 217. There may be, you know, some people won't be here. 
uh, perhaps like for instance, this morning, it was a total of 214 uh, folks uh, weren't here for personal reasons or, for example, uh, my colleague, Representative Corey Mills, is over in Israel right now pulling out church groups because the State Department's not answering their phones. Once again, veterans are having to step up to do their job. Uh, so God bless them. But it just depends on how many are there, how many Democrats show up. Uh, it, it could be between 212 and 217, or it, maybe even some people vote present, which changes the math some, right. and that's what makes it so hard to figure out. That's why I wanted us all locked in the room. Let's get this done. The world is on fire. Biden is absent on uh, duty. The, the Senate Democrats are getting ready to jam us with massive spending bills against another shutdown. You know, Jordan, Scalise, Whomever, let's go, let's move out. And uh, as we say uh, in the Green Berets, the enemy's outside the wire. <laughs> let's not have a circular firing squad here. Again, let me, just, let me just ask you this to kind of end this. Do you think that we end up with Steve Scalise, it's just gonna take a matter of time, or is there a possibility that we have not seen the end of this in terms of who, who, the, who, the, who the next speaker is? I think... We will end up with with uh, with a Speaker Scalise, uh, but there are still a lot of twists and turns, and and I just can't. I know I'm I'm getting a little repetitive. I wanted to transparently iron this out in the room. Uh, one of the things that I've asked is, what are the deals being cut now? Uh, because we don't want to find ourselves right back in the same situation that we were uh, last week with some people saying. He promised this. Oh, no, he didn't deliver. And just everything, everything that we just saw with the eight that voted down McCarthy. We have bigger fights to fight. Progressivism, socialism, Chinese communism and global terrorism. Uh, and that's what I want to get back to fighting. And the American people are looking at the only Republicans in any seat of power, uh, especially our voters that voted us in to make their lives better, all of, you know, whether it's inflation out of control, energy independence, the border that's out of control. That's what I want to get back to, Sean. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I am worried that, also, let, let me just, last question. I've, my understanding is both candidates said that we're likely to end up with another short-term CR after going through this whole exercise, which I find ironic. Well, right, I mean, that was my frustration. And, 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 and look, I understand uh, some of the folks that that were unhappy with McCarthy, but you know, at the same time, we were supposed to be voting on four more spending bills. Uh, we would have been 80% done actually doing what we set out to do, which is cut spending, secure the border, and start chipping away at our long-term our long-term debt. So, I, man, I mean, I'm, I'm frustrated with you, and it yeah. doesn't make sense. Congressman Mike Waltz, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate the insight as always, and thanks for your service. All right, thanks, Sean. All right, a great discussion with Congressman Mike Waltz there, but let's break down where this thing goes from here with our Thursday panel. Chris Stegall is the host of the Chris Stegall podcast, and you can hear him on The Answer in Philadelphia. I think he's in Missouri as well. So he's got two shows. The guy just doesn't stop working. And then Joe Paggs is the host of The Joe Paggs Show. Let's bring them in and continue this discussion. All right, Chris, Joe, what a boring day in Washington here. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. I, I felt like I, I had seen the movie and I knew where it was going. Um, Chris, I'll start with you. I mean, when, when Scalise came out 
and had 113 versus 99, and you had people like Nancy Mace and George Santos saying they weren't going to be with him. I thought this is just not going to end well. Where do you think this thing ends up? It's hard to say. I have a hard time piling on Scalise just because the man was assassinated for being a Republican. I mean, I feel like if there's a guy that understands the opposition, uh, it's Steve Scalise. Now, I, maybe uh, a lot of other conservatives disagree with me. Nancy Mace calling him an anti-Semite. I, I find that bizarre. I don't know where that comes from. It's OK. So if you're not a fan of Steve Scalise, fine. But I mean, to, to call him an anti-Semite seems a bit much. But yeah, it seems like there's this recalcitrant bunch that Says they don't want him. They want Jordan. Jordan seems to suggest as long as uh, Scalise doesn't have the votes, he'll hang tough. He said, I'll vote uh, Scalise if that's what you guys want. But apparently enough of them don't want it that uh, it's still a jump ball. Joe Pags, you're kind of a betting man, I think. Uh, would you bet that Steve Scalise ends up speaker or do you think it ends up with somebody else? I think they're, they're going to be 15 votes again, maybe 20 votes this time. I'm not really sure why. Uh, the answer, the quick answer is no. I wouldn't bet on Steve Scalise, although I would accept that. Uh, last night in some Twitter spaces where people are all freaking out about what's going on in Washington, they were saying McCarthy here, Scalise is a little better. Uh, if you look at their voting records, Jordan is extremely conservative compared to Scalise. I'm not sure why they would settle. I mean, I'm with Chris. The guy took a bunch of gunshot wounds or he took a bunch of bullets, but, you know, for the cause. And now he's got cancer. You can't really say I don't like Steve Scalise, although some on his, on his own side are saying that they don't. Um, I, I don't think it's a done deal. We, we need to be very, very careful. And by we, I mean the conservatives in Congress have to be very careful. They don't open the door to Hakeem Jeffries somehow sneaking in, which is what the Democrats think they can do. I don't think they can. But uh, you, you've got to come together pretty quickly. But I think there's going to be a lot of votes here. I'm not really sure why Scalise was the front runner out of the bag. Uh, I don't know what they see um, it, it better in him than Jordan. You need somebody that you can actually have them stick their heels in the mud and say, we're not moving. Schumer, here's the budget. Do something with it. Here are the 12 different debates that we have to have on these issues. Do something about it. Uh, we don't need somebody who's wishy-washy. So uh, long answer to your short question. I would not bet on him yet, although he does look like he's got the inside track. You know, uh, Chris, I agree with Joe. I want someone who has a plan and says, OK, guys, here's how we're going to get 12 bills across the finish line when it comes to spending. Here's how we're going to take it to the Democrats. Here's how we're going to secure the border or jam Biden. Here's how we're going to up these investigations. I want a leader. And frankly, I don't really care about all the past stuff. I mean, in terms of I, Steve Scalise is a martyr. I mean, he's taken the bullets literally for the team. But I want someone who articulates, number one, how we're going to get stuff done. And number two, as I hate to say this, and people think that I'm wishing, if we keep the House, if we don't keep it, that is the one check against this Biden administration. I need someone who can raise the money, defend the seats that are going to go after all those ones in New York, right? The Mike Lawlers up in, in New York, they're going to be targeted. We need money. And McCarthy was one of the most prestigious fundraisers going. If we don't have the money, then we will lose the majority and then they get everything. And I was talking to a senior aide today up on Capitol Hill, and they said to me, some of these guys I think would rather be in the minority than the majority. Yeah, um, I think that uh, conservatives love the cut of a guy like Jordan's jib, uh, Massey, um, Comer. These guys make some wicked sound bites for shows like ours. But the question a lot of conservatives have is, once the sound bites are over, what happens? You guys make great interviews, but what happens? So I don't know. Can Jordan make action happen? So here's the other thing, though. Conservatives, the base, very uh, they don't like guys like McCarthy, even though he can fundraise like crazy. Same with Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy in that way are the same thing. So, boy, if you could take the fundraising efficacy 
of Kevin McCarthy with the, uh, the the verbiage of a Jim Jordan and meld them together with somebody that actually could, could accomplish something, uh, that'd be a magical candidate. But we seem like we, we either have great fundraisers or great talkers. But you're right, <laughs> yeah, we don't I, seem to have a lot of doers. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing, Joe, that you know, Chris brought up just a minute ago, the Nancy Mace thing. It's like, this isn't even ideological. She's bringing up a, uh, uh, an event that he went to as a Louisiana excuse me, as a Louisiana legislator in right. 2002, 21 years ago. But here's the kicker of this, and take a look. It's on the screen now, right? She went on Jake Tapper on Steve. If the vote for speaker were today, would you vote for Steve Scalise? I would not. I plan on voting for Jim Jordan on the floor. Um, I've been very vocal about this over the last couple of days. I personally cannot, in good conscience, vote for someone who attended a white supremacist conference and compared himself to David Duke. I would be doing an enormous disservice to the voters that I represent in South Carolina if I were to do that. We're on CNN and was like, oh my God, he attended this event in 2000. Uh, two that I was so appalled at that she had no problem in 2020 saying and, and, and relishing his endorsement and his money. So three years ago, she was okay with his endorsement and his money. But now, fast forward three years later, she's offended by a comment he made 20 years ago. Well, and the thing is about that, uh, he's already commented on that, I believe, and he said he didn't know who, the, who right. these people were part of, what group they were part of. Uh, and and I, I take him at his word. I don't think that he would knowingly say, let's go and be, you know, with the Klan for a day. Um, and then you've got Ayanna Presley and Nancy Mace appearing to agree on Steve Scalise. I don't like that. But here's my point, though. Yeah. You, you, you're, you're against Steve Scalise. You voted for him for majority leader, right? You took his money and his endorsement three right. years ago, and now suddenly you have a problem. If that event was such a big deal for you from 20 years ago, why did you tout his endorsement three years ago? And why are you suddenly bringing it up now after the guy was already the nominee for majority leader and you supported him? Oh, it, it's it's very Mitt Romney-like. I agree with you. I understand exactly what you're saying. By the way, if she truly has this in her heart and soul that she fears why he went 20 years ago, talk to him uh, you know, off camera, behind the scenes. Don't do this out in public and then look like you're somebody who's on both sides of the issue. Nancy Mace, I like her. I've had her on the show a lot of times, but she's confusing to me yes. because um, you know Trump primaried her, although she appears to be a Trump person. Uh, she's very, very stuck in, in, in what she wants to do, and then all of a sudden she's one of the eight that votes to get rid of McCarthy. I'm confused about her from day to day, and I think that she might be uh, she might be somebody who's not really sure where she is from day to day. She but I'm also, with you. Yeah. It, it, it comes off as extremely hypocritical to take the money, take the endorsement, smile and wave and take the pictures, and then say, you know, what the hell was he doing 20 years ago? She had to have known about this the entire time, and she works in the same body. Hey, Steve, can I right. talk to you for a second yes. about that thing 20 years ago? I would rather that she does something like that. And to add what Pag said, she also very recently signed off on that funding of uh, the, the drag queen uh, LGBTQ funding in the military, which yeah. was totally out of step with the rest of the Republican caucus. She's a wild card. I don't know what motivates yeah. her, but there's something about her I don't trust. Well, the thing that I find interesting is there are days when I applaud what she does. And then there and, and to, I think, you know, this is the point that I think Joe's making, which is I, I, I agree with you. The word's confusing. I'm like, are you MAGA? Are you not? And, and I get sometimes right. people want to march to their own drum. But the point is, it's not consistent. It's it truly is to what to what Joe said, Chris. It's confusing. Yes. Yeah. No. I, and, and I just it's it's so when somebody comes out and calls one of their colleagues an anti-Semite. 
sorry, I can't give you the benefit of the doubt. You've been right. far too confusing. Yes. Yeah. But, but, and, and, and by the way, let's not bring up the prayer breakfast uh, oh. speech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's, she's such a wild card. It's crazy. Weird. Yeah. It's crazy. My boyfriend grabbed my waist. Hey, dude, you're, you're, read the room. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I was about to have a great morning of sex. <laughs> Hello, your holiness. It's so weird. But I had to run to a prayer breakfast. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, anyway. um, So so let me just, the thing that's so interesting, I'm looking at my list here. Nancy Mace, Max Miller, who says he's voting for Jordan. He's of Ohio. Lawler of New York, again, one of the sort of moderates. Carlos Jimenez, uh, smoking of Pennsylvania, more of Alabama. Marjorie Taylor Greene's concerned about Scalise's cancer diagnosis. Uh, You've got more Santos, as I said. I mean, who thought that... George Santos would would be a key clutch player in this. Bob Good, Lauren Bobert, Tom Massey says that he there's 20. I just to me the thing is it's 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 um it's all over the place. I just well, don't here's see what Peg, Sean to Pag's point. Here's what Massey said. Uh, surprises are for little kids at birthday parties, not Congress. So I let Scalise know in person he doesn't have my vote on the floor because he has not articulated a viable plan for avoiding an omnibus. That's that's very clear and easy to understand. And sounds like man to man. He said that to Scalise's face. That's admirable. The thing I don't get about this, and I can't remember which one of you guys just brought it up because you're both so great at this. Uh, but why isn't someone I, I've heard these members say, here's what I want. I want a plan. I want to know how we're going to get bills done. I want to know what our priorities are. And I feel like both candidates, you know, said, you know, we are committed to X, but what is the danger in actually being a true leader right now and saying, here's how we're going to cut spending. Here's how we're going to hold the Biden administration accountable. Here's how we're going to conduct this impeachment inquiry. This is what the base wants. This is yes. what our party rise to the occasion and put out the agenda and the lead and saying, boom, this is how we're going to do it. And this is how we're going to maintain our majority. And Sean, to that point, why not do this behind closed doors? Come out as a united front, vote for somebody, yes. let's move on. Uh, for, for some reason, the Democrats, even with lying Schiff and Swalwell sleeping with Chinese uh, spies and, and and Jerry Nadler can't get a sentence out anymore, they rally around their people. They come out as a united front. Hakeem Jeffries the other day said, everybody vote to get rid of McCarthy. And they did. But, if somebody on the right says that, they're, they're doing some Twitter space, you know, complaining about how horrible everybody in their own party is. Well, why can't they go behind but, closed doors and say, here's what we're going to do, and here it is. But here's the thing, Chris, to, to Joe's point, they did go behind closed doors, and then they came out. I, I was like, why did you guys, the, they don't they don't lock the door at the Vatican and put out like the white smoke until a pope <laughs> is decided. Not until you've kind of come, I mean, you go through rounds. These guys, like came out with the black smoke and said, guess what? We have a guy that just got 113 to 99. That's not a, that's not someone who can win the votes. They came I mean, out early. The, 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 as you well know, this, this whole body was founded. They, I was just talking about this this morning on the, the Federalist Papers even describe what this body is. They're a bunch of disparate interests. They're emotional idiots. They, uh, they're supposed to be like herding cats and the Senate is supposed to be the calming salve to the whole thing. I don't mind that these people have to go home to their respective districts. Oh, I have. And make glad the case. It doesn't bother me. So I look, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know. I'm not particularly wound up that these guys aren't passing legislation at this hour. I may be in the uh, minority on that, but uh, I don't mind a good old fashioned healthy fight. We got over the 15 rounds of votes to get to McCarthy. Okay. Just, just to be clear, I'm, I'm with you. I don't want them in Washington. I don't want them passing laws, but I think they look like clowns. Learn how to run a meeting. I mean, the idea that you're walking out of a meeting and going, Hey, we got a guy.
being a leader. I have, I'm with you yeah. on the legislative piece of this, but my goodness, I'm like, what a bunch of clowns. You walk out and you go, the first thing you announce is, hey, we don't have the votes. Why did you It'd go be behind better if they just didn't go to a meeting. Yeah, maybe right? to your point, it's just better if they don't go to the meeting at all. Maybe they just say, I don't have any interest in going to a meeting. I'm going to cast my or, vote the way I see fit. No, 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 no. I, I actually think you do what Joe was saying. Go in there, lock yourself and say, OK, we're going to keep hashing this out until someone gets to 218. Yeah. And by the way, if you're Nancy Mace, come to the microphone and say, this is my problem. This is what my issue is behind closed doors and let's work it out. But if you bring your if boyfriend you out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to that point, I want them to argue, scrap, roll up their sleeves, yes. go nuts. And then yeah. when you walk out, say, uh, here is our nominee. Here's who's going to be yes. the guy or the gal. And the reason is they're the opposite of what McCarthy did. McCarthy walked in and got rolled by Biden and gave him an unlimited debt ceiling. He wanted to do an omnibus instead of 12 different you know, uh, issues to argue about. Uh, every, the, the, the senators, Rand Paul, had him on the other day. He said, I want to argue. I want to debate about those 12 different issues. So you need somebody to walk out and say, like Kevin a lot, great, great uh, representative out of California. I'm going to do the exact opposite of what he did. Vote for me. Let's go. But instead, we seem to be, ah, Scalise is kind of 53% conservative. Jordan's 80-something percent conservative. I kind of like this guy. This guy is that. Uh, no, don't don't litigate it in, in the media and in the public because that's exactly what the left wants. Right. So a year from now, they can say, look at these immature children can't get along. You need the you, you need people who are mature and adults to run the House of Representatives. And you, you've got the House by this much, a little yeah. tiny margin. And yeah. it's not worth it to and go out there and make Jack, Jake Tapper get better get better ratings by calling somebody an anti-Semite. Exactly. Make any sense. And no, no, they're killing, they're hurting the team. And that's yes. the exact point is that we have, when, when we say a razor slim majority, I keep reminding people there's, there's redistricting in states like Alabama. They're going to wipe out any of the gains. We're basically playing at best on a level playing field. We don't have a majority going into this. Uh, I, I want to switch topics though real quick because what's going on in Israel, it's, it's actually, I, I am amazed at what's happening here. After all of this discussion about what Donald Trump did and didn't do and what he responded to, the left, in my opinion, is getting the most egregious pass. These guys from BLM putting out this, this depiction of a hang glider coming, it's disgusting. The yeah. idea that members of Congress are defending or not calling out Rashida Tlaib, the idea that college campuses are, are you know, and, and the funny part about it, not, excuse me, it's not funny. The disgusting part about it is all on the left. Where is the concern about all of these folks on the left, Christogal, when this was the right and it was Charlottesville and all this, everyone's talking about how disgusting it was. There is no outrage, no calling out Iran, no calling out Hamas. Joe Biden hasn't called out his own party, his own members of Congress, the left, the college students and all these other people, the BLM movement that they praised, that Kamala Harris helped fund. When you have a president that takes four days to formulate a articulate thought about it, I don't suppose there's much leadership to to show the way to be first, you know, to be clear about it. I I wonder a lot about all of these uh, Chardonnay drinking wine moms in the suburbs of uh, various cities who put the black square uh, in solidarity with BLM. I wonder how they reconcile that today. All of these people that threw in with that political, the NFL also kind of cracks me up. They were one of those forces that threw in with BLM and the kneeling and the whole thing. And now they're issuing all these statements, these uh, you know robust statements of standing with Israel. These are strange bedfellows, these people. They threw in with this folks a couple of years ago, and, and now we see where they're aligned. So my hope, but I mean, Jake Tapper said it this week. Gosh, I can't believe I'm shocked at all of this anti-Semitism coming from our side when we knew all along that's where it always resided. 
Yeah, but Joe Peggs, there's no consequences for it. Like these guys all threw their lot in with Black Lives Matter. They put the little square up. They wrote stuff in the end yes. zones in the NFL. And where is the accountability that that's who you bought in with? That's your group. If this was the right they would be going nuts and saying, I mean, you see all these things, this, what you, you had dinner with this guy and he said this 20 years ago. And I mean, yeah. Nancy Mace condemning Steve Scalise for something 20 years ago. And yet no accountability for all these guys who threw the lot in with BLM. They were all walking the tightrope the entire time. I had Mark Cuban on probably a year and a half, two years ago. They said, Mark, why on earth would the NBA not want me to watch? Why would they put Black Lives Matter underneath the uh, the, the court under, under the lacquer? And he said, well, you can believe Black Lives Matter, but not believe in the dot com. I say, yeah, but you guys are all doing the dot com and you've been doing it since day one. The Black Lives Matter charter uh, said it on its Web page. They deleted it shortly thereafter. I saved it that they want to get rid of the Western nuclear family, that they're a Marxist organization that's for LGBTQ XYZ. They never, ever really did anything for black lives. Right. And at the end of the day, they're all living in these very, very expensive millions of dollars in mansions. And then they, they, they put out this depiction about how happy they are that the, the so-called Palestinians um, flew in and killed people at a music festival. People should be running away from that going, holy crap, my hair is on fire. I didn't realize how, how horrible these people were. Although the writing was on the wall, you should have known how horrible they were from the beginning. But they're not. Isn't it the most stunning thing? Republicans on, on in one second will go, holy crap, I didn't know. And then they'll, they'll walk away from something that obviously is, is disgusting. The left right. doesn't want to do that. They want to pretend like, well, this is just a small thing out of Chicago. The one group in Chicago did it. Everybody doesn't believe that. And of course, we love black lives. Right. Um, but think hey, about what people like Stephanie Rollins Blake have said in Baltimore. Uh, ever since she she was the first Democrat of note that, that came to mind when we saw Baltimore burning years ago. And she said we need to give them space to destroy. The, the left here domestically is constantly entertaining this notion that violence, maybe even murder, maybe looting. Sometimes we need to understand the place of anger from which it comes. Yeah. Chris, right. it's not looting. Hold is, on a second. It's a it's a group of young people without opportunities. You can't call them. That's mob. right. We, everybody's got to eat. Meatball in Philadelphia <laughs> right. said, "Everybody got to eat." That's why I got a Rob Lululemon. I got to eat. Right. She was drinking yeah. a, a free fifth of, of vodka or something as she was streaming that. Right. Exactly. Hey, um, I I do want to ask this, Chris Stegall, because you're on every day yeah. in Philadelphia, among other places, because you try to dominate everything here. Um, your 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 junior senator. I want to play this clip real quick. He was on Colbert last night. You've got excellent meme game but then you have to see these people in the cafeteria uh, no it, it's it, you all should need to know that america is not sending their best and brightest you know to washington dc uh -huh. yes all right you heard that there real quick i mean the, he says that we're not sending our best and brightest uh, do you think that that he realized i was this a setup who's I gonna mean, tell him we're not sending our best and our brightest and i'm like dude you're wearing gym shorts and a hoodie you yeah. can't I, I mean you're kind of an embarrassment and you're talking yeah. about sending your I, I just was like dude does he know that you're he's the joke his own party said john get dressed put on some pants i mean when your own when the democrats are so cornered that they have to tell their guy get dressed to do your job that's how bad things are with him and look I don't, I sincerely, like he had a stroke. I'm not mocking the man, but right. there is something sort of amazing that, you know, he sits there at a desk telling his haha jokes with a machine that translates Colbert's words to him. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it, you know, he's not our best. He's not Pennsylvania's best. And I say shame on the Democrats, shame on his wife, um, shame on the governor of Pennsylvania that they allow this guy who's been clinically depressed, gone to Walter Reed. Uh, he's in no condition to govern. He's in no condition to do what he's doing, clearly. 
He's got a young family. Uh, he's never had a job in his life until he became uh, lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. I, the guy should go home. The right thing to do by his family, himself, his citizens, the, the voters, is to send a replacement. I just don't know who that would be. Yeah. To, to Chris's point, he was not fit to be a senator before he had the stroke. This That's guy is right. a far left wing right. nut job who, as you said, never had a job, is not blue collar, uh, allegedly, you know, was pointing shotguns at people because of their race. At the end of the day, how he beat Dr. Oz blows my mind. I would love to see some sort of an audit of, of the of the election in, in Pennsylvania. I mean, even in 2020. But it, but you've got a guy now who somebody said it would be wise for you to go on Colbert and pretend like they're a bunch of nut jobs in Congress right. and pretend like you're above it all. I mean, well, I'll tell you, who, I'll, who I'll tell you what, that? I, I will tell you what, one place where we do send our best and our brightest is to the Sean Spicer show. Joe Paz, Chris Gagal, <laughs> thank you both for joining us on this Thursday. I appreciate you making time. Thank you, Sean. Great to see you guys. What a show. What a lot of issues that are going on today. Unbelievable. I uh, appreciated the insight of Mike Waltz. You know, if you think about it, He's a guy that's been in the fight literally as a Green Beret. Uh, he's been at the Department of Defense. He was an advisor to uh, the vice president. And then uh, now in Congress, on the th you know he said it right there, the only member of Congress to serve on all three of those committees, Foreign Affairs, Armed Services, Intelligence. You can't get somebody more dialed in, more expert than Mike Waltz. Um, so his understanding of what's going on, uh, the thing I love is that you can look at an issue like what's happening in Israel. And a lot of people can look at it from one side. They're a government official. They look at it maybe from the military sometimes, uh, from a member of Congress. He gets the whole 360. And that's what's really cool about having a guest like him sometimes is that it's not just what's the administration's point of view, what's Congress's point of view, what's it like on the ground as a Green Beret, as a guy who's been in the fight at DOD, in the White House, and then you know as a member of Congress from every angle there as well, by the way you get an insight and understanding of the issue that no one else does. And I, I appreciate his service and his understanding. Um, really enjoyed the conversation as well with, uh, with, with both Joe Baggs and Chris DeGaulle. Uh, had to lighten it up a little at the end with that Fetterman thing. I mean, who goes on Colbert? I literally feel like, like he didn't get that he was the butt of that joke. Um, but, you know, that's the beauty of, uh, of it. And I, I wonder if Colbert was really sentimental because Colbert is such a leftist. Um, anyway, um, tomorrow, big, big show. Bill O'Reilly's here. He's got a new book out, Killing the Witches, 13th book in his series. Uh, we're going to have some a great conversation with Bill, not just about that, but a lot of other fun stuff that I've got planned. But we've also got Trump's ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. He is in Jerusalem. He will give us a firsthand account of what's happening there. Uh, continue to subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to text me, you can. 571-441-4991. I get, you can tell me what you think, who should we should have on, what we should be talking about. We get it all. Don't worry. Uh, I look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow on the Sean Spicer Show. Have a good night.